Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A little more monitor, Dave. Hey, that's my youth section. Hallelujah. Give him glory. Give the Lord praise. A little more money. Thank you. <laughs> I walked back. I walked back through there and I saw them sitting there when I went back to get harnessed up, you know. It's not like being a horse, but I got harnessed up. But I went back there and I saw them all sitting there and I said, You all are the amen section, the hallelujah section here this evening. So sometimes tonight I'm going to go like that and that means you say hallelujah. Don't let me down now. Okay? Don't let me. <laughs> or we're going to have to pick somebody else. That was part of the message. You know, uh, last night maybe you know that if God can't count on us, he'll find somebody else who will. Amen? And, uh, uh, you know, uh, see a lot of people older. Not old people, just older. You know, I have a little sign in back of me at the office, and it says, young at heart, just slightly older in other places. That's kind of that's the way it is. And, uh, but my dad, I said the other night, he's 96 years of age. A couple of days ago, I called and just talking to him. And I'm so blessed that my daddy and his support and his blessing and his favor. When this ministry started in 84, he's one of only a couple of people that I called to say, I need to know what God is saying here. And a couple of days later, I called my daddy back. And he said, I prayed about it, my uh, Amish dad. And, you know, uh, Maybe Amish, but you know what? God doesn't see Amish. He doesn't see Mennonite, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Church of God, Assembly of God. God sees Christians or non-Christians. He sees washing the blood or not washing the blood. He sees saints or he sees those that are not saints of God. Amen. I hope I did not disperse any bubbles tonight by saying God doesn't see the nominee. But anyhow, that's the way it is. I'm just telling you. Now, I, uh, there's something I said the other night that I do not like. And uh, it's called M-I-C-E. Now, yesterday, I was down here doing something, and Amos' children were down here playing. And all of a sudden, I was over here doing something, and I saw this burly mouse. I know, I found that out in prison. But anyhow. So... I saw that thing going underneath there. Not long after that, little Breezy was underneath that. Underneath here, crawling on. I'm just like, oh, my stars. Anyhow, they're not afraid of mice like I hate mice. I, I just don't like them, okay? Because just the thought of one of them creatures just getting a hold of my leg or something is just absolutely drive me up the wall. So I was in a prison in Kentucky. And there at that prison, I was just a preaching away. And just years ago, anyhow, and all of a sudden, I see a mouse come on the stage. It was an old auditorium, and I see that mouse coming up, and she's all over the place. She's going here and there, and I have my eye on the mouse and one eye on the Bible I'm trying to preach, and I'm just like, if that critter comes close, it's like, boom! <laughs> so that critter just kept crawling around, and it got closer and closer, and then it got right up to the front, and one of the prisoners reaches out with his arm, and the mouse crawls up his arm. <laughs> And he puts it in his shirt pocket. And he's in the front row. And Myron, that mouse just kept peeking out at me. <laughs> the sermon was rather short because I was just afraid. I turned my back and he lets it loose. And I'm gone. One of us is leaving. I'm, so, anyhow, 
I don't think it's out there. Don't worry. If I see some of you going up and down, you know, I'll know that it, the critter is out yonder there. And uh, <laughs> it reminds me of the old Wendy Bagwell story. <laughs> they're in this church. Wendy Bagwell Sun Life is a gospel singing group. And they're in this church. Some of you heard this, but anyhow, they were in there. And all of a sudden, this church, they believed in having snakes in the church. And they were handling snakes, doing all kind of stuff. And Wendy and his sister and the other gal, they were up front. They were trying to sing. And then these people were up front doing this and that. And finally, Wendy says to one of his sister, he said, where's the back door? They said, we checked. There ain't none. He said, reckon, where do they want one? <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> oh, what would we do without humor? You know? And... Uh, that God has a, a sense of humor. He creates us, amen, in his image for his glory. But uh, just uh, humor. But uh, I, again, I, I greet you all in the name of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And the greatest honor, and it's also like Dave said the night in fear and trembling, coming and standing here and declaring the greatest, the, the greatest truth on the face of the earth. And to say, Jesus, I was praying before I come here, Jesus I really, Lord, I need your help. Today was a difficult day. And the enemy, uh, no matter who we are, is out to steal, kill, and destroy. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the Lord. To take authority over the enemy in the name of Jesus and through the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And tonight, if you turn with me to 2 Timothy, and in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'd like to read from that passage. Maybe my glasses, Dave in the pocket on top of the coat. That one there, on the outside. There we go, there we go. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know, let me see. How many pair do I have? I don't know. Let me try, okay? All right. And uh, from the Word of God, um, I want to read quite a bit of scripture I'd like to go to. Turn in your Bibles so that when we follow along, we get to know not only God, but we, need to go, we get to know his word. We, we, the, the word of God, uh, when we read it, uh, the meaning it takes and what it, what, what it does for us personally, and then being able to uh, go to the Bible and to uh, see and, and read the word of God and know where the scriptures are. But Kyle was asking what the message title is for this evening, and I, I said, I, I'm, again, I'm not one for titles necessarily, but I said, a vessel of honor. How many going to be a vessel of honor? Amen. Let us, let us read in this passage, beginning at verse 19. I'm in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from what? That word iniquity is not only sin, but iniquity is patterns of sin that we would find ourselves in. Let everyone that names the name of Jesus Christ depart from iniquity. If a man therefore, excuse me, that in, in a great house, that not only vessels of gold, vessels of silver, vessels of wood, of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself, cleanse himself, from these, he shall be a vessel unto what? Honor, sanctified. You know what sanctified means? Set apart and meet or prepared for the master's use and prepared for every good work. Flee youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, 
charity, peace, of them that call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. But um, say, I'm going to, do we have it on through there? But avoid, verse 23, but avoid foolish and unlearned questions. Avoid, excuse me, knowing that they do gender strife. I'm going to read the rest of it. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle in all, to all men, apt to teach, be patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. The one thing that everyone needs, if we're going to go to heaven and we all want to go and be there, is repentance. We need to repent. Somebody once said to a military sergeant who was a chaplain in the military, he said, can you explain what repentance is? The military chaplain walked across the stage and he went, uh, up, about face. We are going this direction, but when Jesus comes in, we repent of our sins, we go the opposite direction. And the church say amen. He said, if we repent, and he said, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who has taken them captive at his will. If we are going to be vessels of honor, the Bible says in Psalm chapters, it's at Psalm 4 and verse 3, the scripture says, But the Lord knoweth them that are, excuse me, but the Lord, but know that the Lord has set apart for himself he who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Can you imagine this evening? I think the King James says, For the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. I mean that God is saying, if I see that you're a godly man, a godly woman, I have set you apart, sanctified you, set you apart for myself. How many want to be set apart for God? Come on, everybody hand ought to be up. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> everybody ought to be set apart for God. That ought to be the desire of our heart. But what does it mean to be set apart for God? This is a scripture we shared the other evening. But also I want to share this scripture in, uh, second, in second Corinthians 5, 17. This was Martin Weber. Doesn't ring a bell with a lot of you, but for some of you it will. Down at Moore, Alabama. This was his theme verse. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become what? When I ask you tonight, have old things passed away? Have things become new in your life since you are born again, part of the family of God? Again, God is looking for vessels of honor that are fit, prepared for the master to use. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we read this scripture the other evening in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'd like to read that again here tonight. 1 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 9. Do you not know... That the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Don't be fooled. Neither fornicators. Sexually immoral. Outside of marriage. The immoral. He goes on. Fornicators. Nor idolaters. Those that are more in love with the created than the creator. Commit idolatry. An awful sin in the sight of God. It's one of the eight sins that God names in Revelation 21 verse 8. That except people repent of idolatry, it says they will be cast into the lake of fire. It's that serious. Idolatry. He goes on here. He says, no fornicators, no idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, 
nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Paul goes on here to say, and such were some of you. If you're included somehow in this number tonight, give a wave offering this evening. Amen? We can find ourselves in here. If not in here, let's say we're all born in sin, the Bible says, and come short of the glory of God. Such are some of you. But you are washed. You are sanctified, set apart. You're washed in the blood of Jesus. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Friend, the most important thing in the world is that we're washed in the blood of Jesus. That we believe in the cleansing power of the blood of the Lamb. And then we're going to go on and read in the, the next passages. Next passage of Scripture. He goes on and says, And all things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but not to be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly, the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both of them, he says here. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ? And make them the members of an harlot? God what? God forbid. What? Do you not know that he which is joined unto an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee. Run away from fornication. Sexual immorality. Run away from it. Joseph ran from it. When Joseph was tempted. And Potiphar's wife said, come lie with me. He didn't mess around or say, I don't know, should I do this? And what if somebody finds out? Or what if the others, whatever. He didn't do that. The Bible says he took off and he ran. In fact, when he took off, what did he say before he left? He said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? God, give me that kind of spirit. How can I do this? Not just sin against somebody else, but sin against God. And said as he took off, she ripped, took his coat off of him because she was angry because he would not commit to doing what she wanted to do. Of course, we know what happened. Shared about it probably was it last night, but about Joseph, how God rewarded him for his faithfulness. Young man, young woman, mother and father, brother and sister, Jesus Christ rewards faithfulness. He rewards obedience when we keep our bodies for God. Goes on to say, Flee fornication, he says, every sin that, it, uh, that a man doeth without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God? The Holy Ghost that is in us is of God? And he goes on, he says, and you are not your own. If we're not our own, whose are we? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, knowing this, it's the end of the chapter. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's apostrophe S. He said, therefore, knowing that we're bought with a price, what was the cost? The cost was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming from earth to heaven, from heaven to earth and giving his life a living sacrifice for you and for me. That was the price that he shed his own blood, gave his life and shed his blood on the cross to purchase us, to buy us back, as it were. Because the Bible says we're born in sin, and that means we're separated from God. We don't have any peace with God. But when Jesus came, he came in the middle between sinful man and a holy God. Jesus was the substitute, the sacrifice for your sins and for mine. Now, if we accept Jesus Christ, we can have peace with God through who? Through who? Jesus Christ. 
through Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1. Therefore, we are justified by faith. We now have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you have that peace this evening? Do you have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And then in Romans chapter 6, I want to turn to that scripture. If you turn, turn to the left, and I want to look at that passage of scripture. Again, the power of the gospel, setting apart, being set apart for the Lord, having a vessel of honor. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God what? God forbid. No. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us are baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism in the death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in what kind of life? Newness of life. He said, you were raised with Jesus Christ and walk in newness of life through the Holy Spirit. If you've been planted together in the likeness of his death, you shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, the old nature is crucified with Christ, that the body of sin may be destroyed, that henceforth, from now on, we should not serve sin. Said, so from now on, you're a servant of righteousness because of the Holy Spirit being in us. And he that is dead is freed from sin. It says, and then verse 8, now if we be dead with Christ, we believe we should also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon, picture yourself to be dead unto sin and alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Somebody that was an alcoholic, I'll share about that just a little bit later. But somebody's an alcoholic, and my hand is up to my shame. But a person comes to Christ, or say that person, uh, yeah, that person comes to Christ. And let, me use it, let, let me use a different illustration. Because he says, reckon yourself dead unto sin. So somebody dies, whether they're Christian or not, or they die and they're in a coffin. And if you put something on top, say an alcohol, because the person was alcoholic, would that person respond to that? No, because he's what? He says, reckon yourself dead unto the things you used to be alive to. Picture yourself dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. That even though the temptation is there, God has given us the power to overcome. He goes on in the next scripture. Let not sin therefore reign or live in your body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield, yield your members. What are the members? Let me go on. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourself to God. And those that, like those that are, as those that are alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. What is he saying? What are the members? Our eyes. Our ears. Our hands. Our legs. Our mind. They're all the members of the body. They're instruments of our body. And he said, don't yield the members of your body to sin the way you used to. 
Because now you no longer are serving sin. You're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I didn't have it down, but I just, the Lord is just saying to read you this passage of Scripture. It's verse 19. Verse 17 says, you were servants of sin, but you've obeyed from the heart. Now you've been delivered. You're made free from sin because of servants of righteousness. I speak after Paul is saying, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. As you have yielded your members as servants to uncleanness, to iniquity, to iniquity, patterns of sin. Even so, now yield the members as servants of righteousness unto holiness. He's saying in the same manner with the same kind of zeal that you would live in sin. Now turn around and use the same zeal for Jesus Christ. Give him glory tonight. He alone is worthy. He said, keep the zeal. Keep the passion. But turn it on for Jesus Christ. Live for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying in this passage of Scripture. In the same way that used to go the other way. He said, now turn around and do it for the Lord Jesus Christ. Yield your life unto him. I think tonight, I, in fact, tonight when I, when I think of the changing power of the gospel and I I think of, I have in front of me, I, if I came in, and it's John Newton, the man who wrote Amazing Grace. The man who was a slave owner, slave trader. And I uh, can't kind of hold the detail of the story, but how that his mother had taught him. And one day on a ship, with slaves down beneath him in that boat, all of a sudden in that storm, he recognized and realized and remembered back of the things his mother would tell him about going to church, even though he turned away from God. He never really knew the Lord. But a reckless life, a vicious life. He'd watch people die in the bottom of that ship and could have cared less. But that day, up on the mast of that ship, God spoke to his heart. And in that moment, he began to cry out and to say, Oh God, I remember what Mama said to me. And he was so convicted of the sin in his life that there on that mast, on that ship, he gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He went on to write many, many hymns, which the most famous is Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. His compelling testimony contributed to the abolishment of slave trade. It influenced Wilbur, Wilberforce, William Carey, many other government leaders. Not long before he died at age 82, he said this, My memory's nearly gone, but I remember two things, that I'm a great sinner and that Christ is a great Savior. Have you found him that way? But Christ is a great Savior. Do you think tonight, my friend, that when God, when King David, did God know the things that King David was going to do before he chose him to be king? But did God realize he's going to be unfaithful husband? He's going to cheat on his wife. He's going to uh, not be a good father. He's going to be an adulterer. He's going to be a liar. He's going to make a plot to kill, breaking four of the Ten Commandments. And yet after he was converted in Psalm 51 when he said, Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy. For I have sinned against God. Didn't blame others. He just said, I have sinned against God. Forgive me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. He said, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto you. He said, when my heart is right and my soul is right, my mind is right before the Lord, I will be able to share others with others. You and I are reading the Psalms today. Today we're reading. To them will I teach others, the Psalmist David. Then will I teach others. And then it goes on. It says in the book of Acts, when it talks about David, it says that, you know, he repented, but it says he was a man after the heart of God. Really? 
imagine. Would we ever would like to have that to say, you, put your name there. You're a man. You're a woman after the heart of God. I want to be that person that is after the heart of God. That God said, that's my man. That's my woman. Look at her. Look at him. They have a zeal. They got a passion. They really love me. He saw that in David, even though he'd committed all the sin. But he repented of his sins. And he turned the other direction. How much comfort we get from his honesty. Uh, the way he just, the transparency of David. Been such a blessing to me in my uh, life, in my soul. It has been. And I want to share with you a story here this evening because... You know, today I was speaking to my sweetheart. I was talking to her last night, and she, she said to me, I said, I'm not sure what the Lord wants me. It's going to have you to preach for sure. And she said, honey, do you believe that everybody is clean before the Lord before you share a message that talks about first love, whatever, and things? And I said, Dave and I both, there's messages on our heart that God wants us to bring. She said, are they ready for it? Are they prepared? I said, honey, I don't know for sure. Laurel and my sweetheart will be here on Sunday, but anyhow. But she said, sure, the hearts are clean. Before you share about the intimacy with Jesus Christ, or else people won't understand. It won't stick. It won't take root because there's other things that are troubling in the soul. But to be able to cast out, to cast down strongholds, things, whatever, however God is, ever God is saying, they're willing to do that by the grace of God. God. God wants to write our glory story. I'm taking you back this evening to a prison in Missouri. There in the afternoon, being up in that cell block, for there's rows, three, three tiers high, and rows of prisoners all over the place. And we're scattered out as volunteers. We're going cell to cell. And we walk. Now you take that cell. I'll take this. You go to the next. And stand in front of this cell. And I walk up. This was my cell to go to. And I stand there. I look at this. I look at this man. And had hair down to here. And his eyes were piercing with evil. Pornography all around this cell. Just, just, a, just a satanic feeling came all over me. And he stood there and he looked at me. And the cell was kind of dark. And he, he looks at me and he says, what do you want? I was going to say nothing. Because I was scared. I was really scared. And I I looked around a little bit to see where some of the others were. Everybody was busy ministering to people. And I, I stood there and I, I just looked at him and I said, what's your name? And I put my hand out, but he didn't shake my hand. He said, Randy. I said, okay, Randy. I began to talk to him. As I began to talk to him a little bit more, and I said, Randy, God wanted me to stop by uh, to talk to you here. And like that, he said, I want to talk to re religious people. He said, I don't. He began to share with me all the different things. He stood there. By the way, let me share this. When I talk about long, when I talk about the long hair. Some years ago, we were in a concert in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with other singing groups, and we were there. I spotted this man. This man had kind of a ponytail down to here, and, and you know, and you wouldn't see it quite as often. I saw that, and I'm like, hmm, he's here at a gospel concert. He must be, you know, must be a Christian anyhow. But I began to form an opinion. And then it was our turn to go up and sing. We went up and sang songs, and after we came back and we were at our recording table, the man with the longer hair walks up to me at the table. 
says, sir, God really touched my heart tonight. And God said, I should just pray for your family. Oh, Jesus. God spanked me so hard. He chastened me. I bowed my head. And he began to pray. And God said, you were judging that man. It's amazing how God teaches us along the way. Because God will not judge. He's no respecter of persons. No matter who you are. He loves you. He cares for you. Randy stood there. And he's looking at me and he said, he said, I've done everything. He said, you don't want to talk to me. I've done everything. He said, my daddy is a state trooper. I hate his guts. I was listening. I said, yeah. He said, I hate his guts. He, he never spends any time with me. Did this and, that. and he said, I've been involved in all these things. He said, I hate. He said, just the religious. He said, I don't want to talk about religion. He said, you know what? He said, I've been involved in saying, you see myself? I said, yes. He said, I've been involved in everything, in the satanic worship, and he began to share all that kind of stuff. And he says, and all this, and he began to show some things. I didn't want to see anything. I was trying to guard my eyes so I wouldn't see the stuff in his cell. And I was just looking kind of straight at him. And then he, as he begins to talk there, and I, I just shared with him a little bit about God loves you. And he said, I don't want your religion. He said, one day, he said, we were out and doing this and that. And he said, us guys that were high on drugs. And he said, we were doing cannibalism. Do you know what cannibalism is? It's eating up the human flesh. And he said, I got scared. And I ran down to church where I saw a little church down the street because I was afraid. I went in that church and I told that minister that I just need somebody to help me. And so, do you know what he did? He called the law. I hate religion. I said, Randy. Then God broke my heart. I said, Randy, I'm so sorry. I'm not talking to you about religion. I'm talking to you about Christianity. I'm talking to you about Jesus. Randy. I said, I'm sorry that that pastor didn't help you. Oh, what an opportunity to take him to an old-fashioned altar and call upon the name of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus. Help the young man get delivered. But he looked at me and I said, Randy, Jesus loves you. I love you. I could be at any cell, but Jesus had me come right here for you, Randy. And Jesus loves you, cares about you. I said, Randy, when I was growing up and giving my testimony, and I said to him, I said, you know, when I was growing up, I said, my daddy and I, we didn't, I didn't like my daddy. I was bitter. I was angry at my daddy. I ran away from home. I took off, and alcohol taking a grip on my life, and I was just telling him. I was just, just, just telling him in a kind way, not even the way I'm saying that. I said, Randy, Jesus loves you. He cares about you. Here's what happened to me. Here's how Jesus came in my life. And he wants me to tell you he loves you. Randy, he's got a plan for your life. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit was just, he was over me and was just helping me. And, and as I looked at him and you just, his piercing eyes were looking at me. And God asked me to do something that I, I and, and, and the Lord said, ask him because his heart is getting soft. He, he, he feels love. He feels acceptance. He feels something he's never felt before. And I said, Randy, I'm going to ask you to do something. If you get on your knees on the inside, I'll get on my knees out here. And I want to pray for you. That's all I wanted to do. And lo and behold, he starts buckling. And he goes down. 
and he gets on his knees, and I'm on the outside. I put my hand through the bars, and now he's just like his mouth is like foaming, and he's just carrying on. I'm just like, oh, God, help me. I'm looking to see if somebody else is available because I was trying to figure out how, how we're going to handle this. And as I just began to speak to the Lord, the Lord said, you have all you need. you got the Holy Spirit. you got Jesus Christ. you got God, glory. you got the precious blood. You don't need anything else. And I looked at Randy, and I said, Randy, for some reason, the Lord asked me to ask him to pray, to open his mouth. And I said, Randy, can you pray? Can you say something? Can you pray? And he goes, his tongue, the devil had his tongue. And as I knelt there in front of him, the Lord just said to me, call on me, call on me. And I called on Jesus Christ. I said, in the name, I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, in the name of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Satan, you are defeated. Cast you to the pits of hell. Jesus Christ, we claim your blood upon Randy right now. Lord Jesus, set Randy free that he's able to talk. And all of a sudden, I can't explain to you. All of a sudden, Randy began to pray. He began to talk to Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. God, I've done this. God, I've done that. God, I'm sorry. God, I've done this. God, I've been in this. He began to confess all these things and just tell Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And I was just there spellbound because I was just like, amazing. I shouldn't have been amazed, but I was. Because that's what God does. And he prayed, and after, after he was, I could tell the Holy Spirit had come into his life. And I said, now let me pray for you. And I prayed a prayer of blessing on him that the Spirit of God would just fill him fresh and new, that he'd walk in newness of life and be the man of God. That man got up off his knees, and he ran over to the side of the cell, and he ripped the pornography. He ran on this side. He picked up pornography. He rolled it up. He threw it out in the hallway, and then he went under the mattress and got the books and magazines, the sorcery, and all the filth and garbage. He put it out, and then he said, I've never felt anything like this in my life. Oh, give glory to God. <laughs> glory. And I said, Randy, that's Jesus Christ. That's the Holy Spirit that just got a hold of you. You talk about instant conversion. Woo, glory. He put all that stuff out there. He said, oh, what I feel in my heart. I said, peace, right? He said, yes, because that's what I found when Jesus came in. Peace with God, peace with others, peace in my spirit. When Jesus Christ came in, he put that stuff out. I had some other music that I gave him because he's listened. He had rock music and all kinds of filth and garbage and books. And I said, Randy, when we get somewhere, we'll burn all this stuff. We'll take it and we'll burn it. And we had a celebration together there and uh, prayed. I prayed with him, gave him some other things, and we left that facility. About five years later, we... And by the way, and then I got letters. I got letters from Randy. And then in those letters, he had like pictures. Now he trimmed his hair. Now he, now he trimmed them and a little bit more. And now you could see a smile coming. And he'd sent me this kind of a Polaroid, about photographs. And he would say, now it's been this way since smoking, since I've done dope, since I've done this. Now it's been this long. Keep praying for me. I said, I'll keep praying for you, Randy. Then I kind of lost track. About five years later, Missouri State Penitentiary, we're in the prison chapel having a program with our family. And we're there having a service, and we're singing and praising the Lord. And in the corner of my eye, I keep seeing this. There's a man sitting back here, and he's just like a Jesus smile. Jesus all over him. I didn't think anything about it. He had the pervert, and then we had a little break in the middle uh, for something. I'm not sure what. Maybe before the preaching, I'm not sure. And, and as I had that little break, this man came walking up to me. He said, uh, Nelson, you probably don't know who I am. I said, sir, <laughs> we see a lot of people as we travel, and I'm sorry. 
I can't remember your name. I don't, I don't know who you are. Oh, really? Look at me. I'm Randy Miles. STU lockup area five years ago. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said, I pulled, I pulled the fan, put some other people that were around us, pulled them over and said, you've heard me share about Randy. This is, this is the new Randy Miles. I mean, put my arms around him. I said, Randy, I think I used the words then, you're worth every mile of the trip, everything we've read that, to see the new Randy Miles, the new person in Christ. What about you this evening? Are you new in Christ here tonight? Is Christ new in your life? You may not just be born again, but is he, do you know the newness of Christ in your life? Have you been transformed? Have you been changed by the power of the gospel to leave the old and tap into the new, to be converted, to be born again by the spirit of our living God? What about you here this evening? I was preparing this tonight. I was thinking about my own life and some of the, the th things that I had gone through. When I became born again, the Lord began to reveal to me and to Sarah. He began to reveal, re reveal some generational sins and strongholds uh, in our life and also sins of the flesh that I was involved in, deeds of the flesh, sins of the flesh that were of my own choosing, my own will like drugs and alcohol and sensuality, fornication, bitterness, unforgiveness, tobacco. These things, name the different things. But when Jesus came in, slowly, one by one, the Lord began to give me victory, to set me free. There was a man that God sent our way. His name was Don Price. All right, Baptist brother. Let's just say, saved by the power of God former prisoner. God hooked him up with Sarah and I. He would travel with us in our early years of ministry. And he'd say, Nelson and Sarah, if you're going to be men and, men and women of God, you've got to get into the Word of God. You've got to feast on the Word of God. You've got to have the heavenly manna. You've got to have the breakfast of champions, which is not Wheaties. It's the heavenly man. It's the word of God. It's Bible reading. It's prayer. It's uh, worship. He said, if you're going to be men and women of God, here's what you need to do. Get into the Bible. Get into the word of God. This man was a walking Bible. He was a man who was reading his Bible through every 66 days. That's not a chapter a day. That's a book a day. He was a walking Bible, a man of God. Watched him pass away some years ago. Was there at his funeral. I don't have time to really go into detail here this evening. But that man had twin boys. And the headlines of the newspaper when he went to prison was father of 30-day-old twins shot north side of the city. He was the father with the 30-day-old twins. And went away to prison for robbing banks. And then in prison, Jesus got a hold of his life. Made him a brand new creature. Gloriously saved and changed him. He came out and he was with us. Would share all over where we went. Churches and prisons. I think it was up here with us. That time way back there. But then at his funeral. Uh, the two boys were there those twin boys that had now, were now in their 30s, both preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the twin boys are the ones preaching daddy's funeral. You talk about the transforming power of God to change generations, because he come from a bootlegger's home, an alcoholic. His daddy would tell him how to drink when you're young so you can hold it when you get older. That was his bootlegging daddy's theme. There's a whole other story to that, but can't go in it here this evening. But he'd say, get into the word of God. Repented of those sins, found forgiveness, and the Lord enabling by His grace to overcome. But there are some things that in our lives, and you know, I would hear the words, You're just like grandpa. You're just like grandpa. 
before I got saved. You ever been told you're just like your mother, just like your father, just like your brother, just like your sister? I'm talking about a negative way now. You're just like so-and-so. That's hurtful. You're just like grandpa. My grandpa died of tuberculosis in his 60s. Alcoholic all his life. And I'd hear grandma and some others say to me when I was drinking, you're going to be just like grandpa. You're going to end up just like grandpa. By the way, grandpa gave his life to Jesus Christ about six months before he died. Came to know Jesus. You're going to be just like grandpa. But i got news for you tonight, my friend. Whether it's a generational sin or whether it's a generational curse or whether it's, whether it's a choice we make of something that we pick up that becomes uh, an addiction to us or whatever it is. With the power of Jesus Christ, he can set us free. We don't have to be like so-and-so, like so-and-so, if it's not right. By the power of God, maybe some of you here this evening, maybe you're saying here tonight in a negative way, that you believe the lie, I'm going to be like so-and-so, I'm just going to be like so-and-so. Tonight it could also be maybe things like whether it's bitterness, maybe anger. You say, you know what, you have a temper, you have an anger. That's just like your dad. <laughs> Somebody said it runs in the family. I don't like to hear that if it's negative. I do not like to hear that. If it's negative, by the power of God, there can be a stop. Even if it's a generational curse or sin, whatever, through the name of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus Christ, the strongholds can be pulled down because of Jesus. Maybe it's abusive. Maybe it's a controlling spirit or depression, pride, things like that. You know, today we live in an X-rated, if I can call it, society. All around, whether it's the social media or the internet, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, many become trapped. Become trapped and become powerless. They want to need to be set free to be vessels of honor fit for the master's use. There's things that today become, become strongholds in people's lives. When Sarah and I became Christians, we, the Lord began to reveal to us some generational things. And especially things like sorcery, divination, witchcraft, controlling spirits, anger, that were in our generation. And when the Lord revealed these things, because these are the kind of things that take us down, that don't let us flourish in the Lord Jesus. And, and uh, Sarah and I both have a godly heritage, just like Dave, had parents that love the Lord. There were generational things there when you did this because this is sorcery or divination, so you're supposed to do this. Go around the leg of the, 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 leg of the table or do this and put the string on you and do this and those things. Then we came to realize it's sorcery and divination. And that's one of the things that had just trapped us and couldn't be free right away. And so the Lord, uh, Lord asked Sarah and I to, if we would do, we, we sat down and we made a list. First of all, the positive things that were contributed to our lives, but then the negative things, the traits, things that we traced and that we saw. We sat down and we looked at that, and together we prayed over those and renounced them in the name of Jesus and through the blood of Jesus Christ to break those strongholds, not only over us, but over our children. Because it will go on down. Deuteronomy chapter 5, it was verse 5, chapter 5, I'm not sure which, uh, which verse there, but it says... You shall not bow down to serve them. For the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of fathers 
upon the children to the third and fourth generation. And I says to those who hate me, to those who don't have a love, the love for God, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Sometimes the iniquities, patterns of sin can be visited generation after generation. But then God is looking for godly men and women who will stand up and say, by the grace of God, that needs to stop here. Some of you are sitting here tonight and there are strongholds that are gripping you and things you've seen in patterns of sin. But will you stand in the gap and say, Jesus, I sense this tendency. I sense this, this, this. But it's, it's a stronghold. It's something that needs to be broken. And tonight you're willing to take that step to the power of God. I want us to ask you this evening, and that, you know, for Randy Miles, Randy, there was those strongholds of hate and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness, sorcery, divination, witchcraft, pornography, ungodly music. Elvis Presley, some years before he died, who had all the wealth and all the fame and fortune, made this quote, I am lonely as hell. People idolized him. Kurt Cobain, who was heavy into rock music, he finally took his life, but he said, my life is just a dark tunnel. I do not see an end. There's no use to go on. The things that can contribute to depression and discouragement. What kind of things are there things that God is bringing to our heart, bringing to our mind, that we're saying there's things that I want to put under the blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about it. And as you're thinking about that, but the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5, if you put that up, and that scripture says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. And there's things in our life that we just maybe can't get past. It keeps haunting us. And we need relief. We need release. We need Jesus to set us free. For the weapon, for casting down arguments and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And finally, my brethren, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, finally, it says, finally, my brethren, it says, be strong. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. If we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, what do we wrestle against? Like I think it was last night, I said, Peter saw people coming at him. Jesus said, there's a cup that I need to drink. But we wrestle against not flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in high or heavenly places. That is what we wrestle against. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you're able to stand, withstand in the day, the evil day, having done all to remain standing. If we'd go on with that, it would talk about praying, the prayer and supplication, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and all those. I want you, us to think about it here this evening. And tonight, as we're sharing, maybe there's some here tonight that have given ground. Uh, that means territory to the enemy, given place to the enemy. 
But the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, 11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The blood of the Lamb. Satan and all his hosts were present at the crucifixion of Christ. At the time Jesus was nailed to the cross, Jesus, he snatched the legal document that Satan held in his hand. That document that gives Satan authority over every person in the world. Jesus nailed the document to the cross and blotted out the handwriting that was against you and me with his own blood. He made an open show of it, the scripture says. Conquered the enemies and so forth. It goes on. But based on what Christ has done and what he did on the cross, the only authority that Satan has today over us is the authority that we give him. That we give him through rejection of what Christ has accomplished or disobedience to his word. I want to think about it here this evening. We read that. You are dead to sin and so forth. The power of the blood of Jesus Christ to overcome. I wonder who's here this evening and saying, I'm struggling with this. Or this is a generational now that this is mentioned, I think of this. This is something that we want to bring under the blood of Jesus Christ. I need victory over this. I want to get past this, ever that may be. The greater works begins with the deeper work that Jesus does in you and he does in me. We've been given the weapons of warfare to pull down the strongholds. In the name and through the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying, you call on me. I will help you. I will break down those strongholds, those shackles. I will break those down. I will destroy them. So that you can walk in truth. You can walk in victory in the Son of God. You can be the vessel of honor. If you're not already. Be that vessel of honor that is fit for the master to use. And not have the enemy continue. The enemy will continue and try to tempt us, but yet because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the power that is in us, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, that we can walk in newness of life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Today the enemy was just saying, <laughs> I'll tell you what he's saying. That's why I wore this shirt. It's red and white. Because today with the antagonism and but he was after like, you shouldn't talk about this. You shouldn't share this. People won't receive this. said, devil, you're a liar. You're the author of confusion. I'm going to lift up Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel and the blood of Jesus to set us free that we can walk in victory. Give Jesus a clap offering of praise tonight. I stepped out of that camper. I said, Lord Jesus, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to expose the works of the devil. So that we can walk in victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. They're young people. Mothers and fathers. Sons and daughters. Jesus Christ has his eye on you. And he's saying, I want you. I bought you. I paid for you at the cross. You belong to me. Can I have you? Is there anything holding us back? Is there something that 
We say, Lord, this is something that I've been struggling with, but I, but I look back and maybe it's something generational too. And tonight I want to bring it to the cross. You see a cross up here. Because the Lord was giving me this message, and today at noon, <laughs> brother, where is he? Anyhow, he said he's not a carpenter, but he put it together. And I said, tonight, I have to do something. I was telling Sarah, I said, this evening, do what we did three weeks ago tomorrow, be three weeks, over in Africa. It's my grandson standing there. We've given people paper like most all of you have tonight. And most of you have a pen. Would you take that paper and that pen? If God is revealing something that he just, he brought to your heart that you're saying this is something I want to bring to the cross. Whether it's the past, whether it's generational, whichever way it is. But tonight, I want to put that behind me. And I want to plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Take a moment, the pen, and jot something down. If God is wanting you to do that. I watched three weeks ago tomorrow as hundreds, hundreds walked up to that cross. Just like that. And they would take a paper and they would just fold that paper and they stuck it in the nails some of them stood there and they were weeping some couldn't write they couldn't read or write and they just I just said just take the paper if you can't read or write just tell Jesus what it is and just bring it up and they would do that little children were coming up that could barely reach the cross but there were a couple hundred there and they felt God speaking to their heart. Young people, youth, that came up to say, I want to be a vessel of honor. And right now, I just I need to get past my pastor. I need the power of God right now. Nobody is going to see the paper, by the way. That's between you and God. But in a little bit, we're going to sing, and I'm going to ask Dave to Take that cross and stand out front right here. Then we're going to burn it. Oftentimes in the end of a crusade, we have a bonfire where people bring all kind of things. We could tell you stories about that. And they throw it in a bonfire. Acts 20.20 20 says, when revival came, they brought all the books and magazines and the sorcery and they burned it and God prevailed. Oh, glory, hallelujah. I want God to prevail. So do you. Could we stand together? <laughs>